Welcome to Built Brave. Driven women sharing their stories to show others what is possible for them. Because we were all born brave. I'm your host, Lo Wentworth, and this is Built Brave. Are you ready? Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back. It is Thursday, and Thursday we have a new guest. So it might be day 782 of quarantine as we are all in this together, which can help us feel better about ourselves and our mental health, but still riding those waves of emotion. And today's guest, we actually recorded this podcast before we were originally supposed to meet in real life at UPW for Tony Robbins, Unleash the Power Within, and that got rescheduled to our all favorite virus right now, Corona, which is perfect. It's happening how it's meant to happen. There's many opportunities around us. And just because there's opportunities around us still does not mean that sometimes it takes a toll on our mental health. Sometimes our emotions get the best of us, and that's okay. We just get to honor those emotions. But during this conversation, we talk about, you know, balancing or integrating, as she likes to call it, your life when you are having a nine-to-five that you love with a side hustle and a family to boot. I mean, that's a heck of a lot to manage. And since then, now we're all like working from home. So you can imagine that's like 10 scaled. You know, children are home, parents are home, working from home. Zoom calls and meeting calls are happening. And sometimes your little coworkers come in and be like, hey, yo, what's up? Or you have a dog bark. It's just our new normal at the moment, even though it's not really normal. It won't be like this forever, but it's still nonetheless challenging. And we talk about managing curveballs too. I mean, Corona is a big, massive curveball for everyone. Everyone. So before we begin with the episode, I just want to check in. How are you doing? How are you? Let us know. Let me know how I can support you, serve you, whatever it may be. Just how are you? And if you're like on a scale of 1 to 10, a 1, great. If you're a 10, great. If you're a 3, 8, 7, great. It doesn't matter where you are on a scale of 1 to 10. It just matters that you're aware of where you're at and how you can honor and serve yourself in that moment. Because self-beat up serves no one, especially during this time. And we are all doing the best that we can. And with that, let us begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Built Brave. I'm excited for this guest today because she and I have both been going on a journey, our own personal development journey, and it's been really fun and interesting. We're gearing up for the massive event, which is UPW with Tony Robbins, but this episode will be afterwards. But you still get the benefit of learning what we've learned so far 
before we even talk about what happens at the event. So Katie, if you could take it away and let everyone know who you are and what you're about. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I know this is going to play after the event, but I'm so pumped up for this event we're doing. So thrilled to get to meet so many powerhouse, amazing women along the way. It's been quite an experience so far. Um, so my name is Katie. I'm a lifestyle and wellness coach. I'm a nutrition mentor and I am a full-time working mama of two active boys and I have an amazing, very supportive husband as well. Um, and I love getting down and talking about the ups and downs with moms, busy, overwhelmed moms who are trying to juggle it all um, and really go for our dreams in life. So it's been an amazing journey so far and I really feel called to coach others. The whole, my entire life has kind of led me to this path, which is kind of what we're learning and training here. And it's just been more than I could have ever imagined. So that's just a little bit about me. That's awesome. I mean, I love coaching because coaching, it's just, it's so fulfilling in many different ways. Like you learn so much about yourself as you're coaching someone else. It's just an interesting path and like up level in your life. Absolutely. So how do you, I guess we'll start with like balancing it all. So how do you balance having a corporate nine to five and then doing your coaching business and all of that, and then still, you know, being a mom, family and a partner and all of that? Yeah. Um, I've cut the word balance out of my, out of my because I really don't feel like balance truly exists. Um, integration is a word I heard the other day. Yeah. Integration. So I work in the pockets of my time. I get up early in the morning. I literally jump out of bed every morning because I'm so excited to get to talk to other mothers before they go into work, before I get to work. So I do a lot of coaching at 5.30 in the morning. Um, it's amazing. Sometimes kids join the calls and that's what it's truly about. I love it. It's great. Um, and then I am a chronic no lunch break taker. I always have been. I'm one of those work hard, you know, I used to work until the lights went off in the office, but now that I have kids, I have to leave at a certain time. So I take lunch breaks occasionally and do calls on my lunch breaks. Um, one of the first things that I cut out was evening calls with coaching clients and nutrition clients during family time. Family time is extremely important. Um, so I really, I, I put it on my calendar and I turn all my notifications off on my phone and really try to make sure that I'm present with the kids and with my husband when I'm home. Now, no one's perfect, um, but that is my intention and that is my goal, but it's truly just about integration and uh, some days are good and some days are bad and days, most days never actually go the way you plan, but uh, it's really great. I really enjoy it. And like I said, I, I literally jump out of bed every single day because I just am fired up and fired up to help people and talk to people. And like you said, I get just as much out of it as my clients do. I like, I'm like thanking them at the end of the call. It's amazing. I like how you took the word balance out of it because even as I was asking it, like there was another conversation I had with a different woman and she replaced it with harmony. So like mm -hmm. harmony integration and that's where, you know, balance is kind of this like perfect person word. So the perfect person has it all balanced when life does not go that way. Life throws you, cur no, it throws you curveballs and you're just like, that did just happen already then. I'll yeah. And I think 
once you sorry once you once you just realize that perfection doesn't exist it's like you can finally move on with your life mm-hmm. you know like and be happy truly knowing that most of the stuff you see on social media no one's perfect we don't know people's stories behind what's going on we don't know that they cleared you know i'll take a picture and i clear the junk out of the way um i try to be real in my pictures too we have toys in the background and my workouts i'm like looking at piles of legos everywhere but um, once you realize like perfection does not exist, it's like, okay, now I can move on and just be me. Right. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, social media. I've read somewhere like our, our BSN meters have gone up because we've just like, wait a second, like that can't be real. Like we want some like realness going on. It's why TikTok is booming. So if no one knows what TikTok is, just go download it. It's just videos. Just make sure you have like, 10 minutes of time just to scroll through because it will go by fast. But it's just that raw realness like people have in their regular life. They want the good and the bad, like we talked about earlier. They want to know both sides of it because otherwise it's a lonely path. Like everyone's like, I'm winning. Are you winning? Are you? (laughs) No, and I love groups like the group that we have founded for this event. And we're really, I mean, we're getting down and dirty and talking and really sharing it's been it's been eye-opening it's been amazing and I've never felt less alone Mm. what has been your biggest takeaway from this event or coaching to prepare for this event rather yeah Um, I think we all suffer from imposter syndrome in anything we do you know um, there are days where I'm like am I a good mother am I a good wife am I a good coworker? you know trying to keep up with everything you're doing and I have a lot of experience in coaching. I've coached people my entire life. And this has really made me realize that I'm fully equipped. I have all the knowledge that I need. The things that I'm coaching people on are things that I've gone through or still am going through. And that's all I really need to be able to help people and guide them in a direction. Um, So that's what I've really realized that I'm fully capable and I should just lean into that instead of worry from time to time am i capable am i the right person to be talking to someone about this you know so yeah and how could you not be the right person to talk to someone about it like they're coming to you for a reason and it's just interesting how people see things in you that you don't necessarily see in yourself you're kind of like wait what you see that because internally no, nah. <laughs> it's a mess in here. It's amazing. And I, you know, I hear all the time from my coach, of course, I have a coach um, as well. Um, and it, she says all the time, you teach what you need. You teach what you need the most. And so as we're getting to know each other, we've been coaching together for two years. We're very similar. A lot of the people I coach are very similar. The stories that I'm sharing are stories that resonate with them. So, and there may be maybe one step behind or I'm one step behind my coach. And so that's why we're each fully qualified to talk to each other and kind of move into the next phase. Right. And that's how you lead people in your community. As you're continuing to like walk this walk, you, you're a step ahead so that you can shine your light and be like, Hey, here's a path. And your coach is a step ahead doing that for you. And it's just really interesting to see that like domino effect and how you grow and then your community grows and things change and shift. It's amazing. It's like you're just reaching your hand back and pulling up a, a fellow sister and saying, come on, girl, I got you. And I'm, someone's doing the same thing for me. It's amazing. 
So what has been the biggest growth you've seen in yourself since you started coaching to this point? I've definitely become more myself in terms of what I'm sharing and how I talk to people. I am uh, very non-confrontational. I always have been. And so it's not that I'm getting confrontational. I'm just getting more honest with myself and with other people because it doesn't help. It doesn't help me. And it certainly doesn't help other people to not tell the truth. Um, if someone asks me a question, instead of saying what I think they might want to hear, I'll say what they need to hear. And that's, I think, part of having a coach. You want a coach that's going to be honest with you. And the same thing goes for my coach. And sometimes it's a hard reality or a hard truth. And sometimes it's just that person to guide you and support you and listen to you. Uh, um, I think that's the biggest thing, just getting real honest and not caring what people think. Because I feel more like me more than ever. And I can only be me. I can't be anyone else. So what I post on social media or what I say to people or how I encounter, you know, interact with people, I don't think twice about it. I used to really kind of go back and retrace my steps and say, what did I say? And how did I say it? And now I don't. I just, I feel a lot more confident and a lot more me. Which is the biggest blessing is feeling like yourself in your own skin. Like Absolutely. I mean, I found ways in my own, like doing that, that I'm just like, yep, I'm confident. This is who I am. Like, here you go. But I want to challenge you on your terminology of being confrontational as it being like direct. You're just being direct with the person. Absolutely. Because for me, at least it's like, if you're being confrontational, it's like I'm coming to you for a fight when I'm being like, nope, you asked me for this feedback and I'm just going to be direct with you on it and not sugarcoat it. Absolutely. In the past, I would sugarcoat it. You know, I was worried about relationships or what people would think. And, you know, now I'm hosting, I'm hosting an event this weekend coming up. It'll be passed by the time we do this. And I'm inviting everybody. I'm not worried about who's going to think about what. I'm just inviting anybody. And if there's something there for you and you feel like you need to be there, please come and be there. And if not, then that's okay. Mm-hmm. A lot of it, it's just like when I write letters or cards to some people, like some people are like, I, you know, I get it late and I go, it is called snail mail for a reason. <laughs> and, but I'm also like, it doesn't, it's not in my hands. As soon as I hit like send on an Instagram post or send a card, I'm like, it's for you. It's not for me. I just did my part. I'm like, here we go. I am speaking my truth. And if it resonates great, if not great, like whatever you get out of it is on you, not on me. Yep. And whoever's meant to get the message will get it. If no one gets it, that's fine too. At least you got it out into the world and we're just honest, but that's what I tell myself. If one person shows up to the event, it's going to be the one right person. Mm-hmm. And I just have to just let the universe take its, take its place and, and direct me in the way, which is how I, how I connected with you. So it all works out in wonderful ways. What have you learned in that process of tr- what I call trust falling with the universe? You're just like, okay, universe, <laughs> whatever will be, will be. Yeah, I've learned a lot. I think the biggest lesson ever just getting in this whole process was having kids. Having kids really shows you one, who the true you is and, and really who your true support, um, you know, surrounding support group and friends are. Um, I have some amazing friends and I have some not so amazing friends that I'm unfortunately not connected with anymore. And I do believe that people come and go into your life at the time they're supposed to be. And there's always a lesson, but it's been a hard lesson to learn. I've lost some friendships. Um, and as I just tell myself, as long as I'm being me and I'm being honest and I'm being 
true and, and kind, of course, then I can't reflect back on it and worry too much. So um, it's hard. It's hard to, in terms of relationships, to lose some friends. But I feel like I'm most me more than I ever have. So I don't want to be a fake friend, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Oh, it makes total sense. And I think it's really important for like the audience to know that like, as you grow and evolve, like people are going to come in to your life, like the universe is going to provide you with them and they're going to give you a lesson or whatever you need. And some, I mean, aren't, are there for the lesson or they're there for the season. They might be there for the lifetime, but it's just trusting what that looks like. And I had a conversation with a friend like a couple of weeks ago about like losing friends and how challenging that is. And I go, well, I like to think of it this way as I'm leaving space for them to come back. The door is always open, but right now they're not in alignment with who I am. And it's not like I'm losing them because losing them feels final, heavy, and like death, which is how whatever anyone wants to feel but it's kind of just like i want to have that opening so if something were to happen and we'd cross paths again that there's still a spot there for them but i'm not waiting for them it's there right. if they want it but i'm continuing on my journey because i know they're not meant to be with me on this part of the journey absolutely there's always a place in my heart for all the friends that i'm no longer connected with in this season of life and that's and they know that and i left it that way um, but it is hard. That, that's one of the, that's been one of the hardest things is losing friends along the way and setting boundaries. Like <laughs> I still am working through this setting boundaries. I didn't even know what setting boundaries meant before mm -hmm. I started working with a coach and I am the worst at this. And that's part of the reason I've lost some friends. I tried to be everything to everybody. I tried to be a good mother, a good wife, a good friend, a good to everybody at, to my detriment at some point. And now I'm setting boundaries and not overly making plans that was a big thing for so long i would try to do something with you know three different friends in one day because i i i valued my friendships i wanted to see my friends but then you're leaving one friend early to rush to see another friend and this was of course as i was just having babies it was difficult so it's setting boundaries has been really great and it's just setting boundaries is about respecting yourself and respecting your relationships it goes both ways so that's been a whole lesson I could write a book on setting boundaries. I've learned a lot. Mm, setting boundaries. It's one of my favorite subjects to talk about because last year alone was a boundary setting year for me and getting clear on what it is I am or am not available for. And again, the hardest was the hardest thing to do was to hold those boundaries. Mm -hmm. It's hard. And even with my family, I have a very supportive, amazing husband. And I said, I'm not doing, I'm not doing calls in the evenings anymore. That's really important to me. Well, then I need to not do calls in the evening. If a special call came up or something, I need to say, I'm sorry. These are my, this is when I work. This is when I don't work. This is family time. I need to respect that as well. And every once in a while things come up and my husband's like, you should really, you should really, you know, make the time for that in this instance, because I know that's important. And that's, wonderful and he does you know takes care of the kids and you know we communicate mm -hmm. there's so many nuggets of wisdom in mm -hmm. that alone like you've set this boundary 
but your husband and partner knows this is important to you. So he comes and talks to you. He's like, this is important. I know these are both important, but you can go do this. Yeah. It's been great. Well, then my next question for you is how did you get to that level of communication to be able to communicate? Like, this is my need and have a, I don't want to say a negotiation, but a discussion on what it looks like. Yeah. A lot of headbanging moments, you know, I mean, I have been, I've been with my nutrition company for five years and I used to take every call under the sun every evening. So about three or four years into that of it just not working is when I finally started working with the coach. And that was one of the, one of the very first things on our very first call, she said, you don't want to do evening calls. Don't do evening calls that like done. You're done. That's it. And I went and communicated that to him. And it's just been little bits of communication or sometimes I come home from an event and I'm like, I, I, I realize I'm not communicating with you and I need to, it's just, it's learning over and over and over again. I keep investing in a coach because I'm learning so much about myself just by talking it out with somebody. And I really feel like it's strengthened my relationship. Um, so much and we're communicating back now it's not perfect not every every day you know we it's a it's a marriage and we've got kids and they're little and things happen but it's it's been a learning process and coaching has really helped me just understand myself more and when i hold back or when i'm non-confrontational right when i'm non-confrontational and just don't mention something that is important um i've learned i've learned it's better to speak up and just share and then you guys can work it out together. Yes, because people can't read minds as much as they're sometimes I'm like, can't just, it's like you're willing them. And then it's like you get into this internal spiral that you're willing them. And then internally, you're like, no, I got to say something. But your ego just keeps taking you down and down and down until finally, when you do say something, it's like, there's an, a lot more emotional charge behind it than you Absolutely. wanted to have it in the beginning. Yeah, I think sharing, you know, we try to have, we for a while we tried to do like a weekly meeting, but with little kids, it's tough. Um, so now I just kind of share as much as possible and really in, in, in inviting him in a little bit more. When I have a win in my coaching business or when I'm feeling down about something, just sharing that instead of keeping it to myself, I don't feel as alone. He understands what I'm doing. He understands all the time I'm putting into it, why I'm getting up early because I'm sharing with him. I can't expect him to read my mind. And so in the same thing, I share with my mom, I share with my sister. My sister and I have gotten on the Voxer app. I don't know if you know what Voxer is. I love that walkie-talkie app. We've gotten on that app together. Um, She's my little sister and I tend to talk over her. (laughs) I didn't realize that until I had a second kid and my sister said, oh, you've been doing that my whole life. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. So now we Voxer, she lives across the street from me. So we see each other a lot, but we box her and she gets her full thoughts out and then I take it in and I respond back. It has been an amazing way to communicate, you know, from sister to sister. And she's one of my biggest supporters too. So that's been a lesson (laughs) and a blessing. Well, I think that's also interesting you bring that up is that you're doing active listening and you're letting the person get the full thought through before you interrupt. Cause I'm also the older sister of two younger siblings, but my family would tell me I used to speak for my brother until he was like two <laughs> until they're like, no, you got to stop. He's got to do it on his own. But part of me is like, 
how did I, how was I able to speak for him? And he just went along with it. Like, did we have some like telepathic thing? But that's beside the point. <laughs> but it is like, I've learned that it's been a challenge for me to sit and actively listen and let someone go through it all, especially like doing this podcast and interviewing. There have been, I knew that was a challenge for me. And there have been times where, oh, I interrupted. Damn it. Or I've been like, okay, I want to back up a little bit. You said this and then go from there. But it's just been interesting that whole dialogue that goes on and especially internally. I don't know if you've noticed that at all either. Oh, absolutely. And especially coaching people, people will tell you what they need if you let them talk. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's been, I mean, so many lessons. Like I'm working every day on being a better listener and not talking as much. They say the smartest person in the room is the quietest person in the room. So I'm always trying to just do a better job at listening, not interjecting my story. It's hard. I'm a, I'm a, an extreme extrovert and I love people. So that's where I'm most fueled when I'm with somebody. So I want to, I want to contribute, you know, I want to be in the conversation with them sitting next to them. So listening is, is something I'm still working on. Mm-hmm. Another quote I heard is like being the last person to speak in a meeting. So you just sit there and let everyone else like say their opinions and then you can formulate yours. I think Simon Sis had this idea and concept about it because that's like what leaders do. They let everyone feel heard and take in all of their opinions and accounts before they voice their own. I'm like, interesting. So interesting. Um, another tip that I have is also with this active listening is I pull out keywords of what someone is talking to me about. So then they feel heard. So that also forces me to be present to hear what they're saying instead of listening to respond, which so much of us do. Yeah. Yeah. And there's those relationships in life where, you know, like my sister, we can, we can do that. We can have a conversation and kind of respond on top of each other. And you, and you know, you know, when you're talking over someone and they're not happy about it, you know? Um, but coaching is such a different relationship. And I, I truly, truly, I want to hear, I'm, like I said, I'm so excited every morning to get up and hear what people are going through. And we have journal prompts and we have, you know, questions we ask along the way and I have worksheets for all of my clients to kind of just help, help them bring out, um, you know, what they want to talk about and what they're going through. Cause it's, it's awkward sometimes when you get on a call and it's like, well, so how's it going? I don't know. So we have to have some sort of prompt along the way and it helps guide the conversation. It makes it a lot easier. And then of course, once you're a couple calls in, you're like sharing it all. So. Right. It's building up that trust and, you know, vulnerability is such a trigger word for people, but it really is. You're getting vulnerable with someone at some level and then you got to build the trust, unfortunately, can't always like rip the bandaid off and be like, Hey, this is all of my dirty laundry. Will you help me sort it? Yeah. That's why I always recommend people. I, I do um, one-on-one and group coaching. Mm-hmm. And so group coaching is month to month. I, you know, I allow people to get in and out if they want, but I would recommend at least six months for that. So you can kind of get the feel and then the group, the, the one-on-one starts three months at a time, but it's like, the stuff you go through and learn about yourself as a coach and as a client in three months is just amazing, like life-changing. Well, just take now the what, like six weeks, seven weeks, whatever, 
that of coaching that we have gone through like it was concentrated it's, it's some heavy stuff yeah. <laughs> there have just there have been some things on my end that i'm like uh f <laughs> mm-hmm. i don't want to do this work but I'm going to do this work because it's time. Have you had that feeling? Oh, yes. <laughs> and I have lots of stars and circles on the page. Um, and I'm so fired up. I mean, these calls are 10 o'clock our time. They're super late. Like I'm usually asleep by 930 because I get up early, but I am fired. I'm up till like one o'clock in the morning after these calls. I cannot go to bed. You know, so it's like I'm journaling, I'm writing things down. I want to tell my clients because they're all asleep. So I have to tell them, wait till the morning to tell them it's, it's been, I, I can't believe we've, we've gone through as much as we have in the six to seven weeks that we've gone, that we've done this program. I can't wait to go see Tony Robbins, like in person, like, ah, I'm, I don't even know what's going to happen and be there all together. It's going to be insane. It's going to be sane. It's going to be fun. Like it's going to 10x, triple X, like what we've already learned. Like I'm excited. I'm curious about who I am going on the other side of it. I mean, I have an idea because we've done these works. We've created these new archetypes for us to step into. Mine's called Graceful Rebel. And basically it's bringing in the balance of my feminine and masculine energies. And then I was just like, Ooh, how do I get there? Like, what are the steps to take instead of like feeling dread, like you're reaching a goal and what you have this goal, but you have the dread along the journey type of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's fear, you know, fear that you're not going to achieve the goal, mm-hmm. but we will because we're going through all this belief and mindset training and really working up to it and taking action. I think that's, that, that's the one thing I want. You know, I have people tell me a lot, you're so motivating. I'm so motivated by you. I'm inspired by you. And I'm like, that's awesome. And one of the things my coach says, I'll steal this from her, but she says, I don't want to, I don't want to inspire people. I want to activate people. I want to activate them to make a change, to go for their goal, to truly go for it. I don't want to just motivate them on social media. It's not why I'm posting on social media. I want you to you know, step into the true you that you feel like you are inside. I don't want to just be a like on your, on your, you know, scroll. I want to, I really truly want to help. And I think that's what, I think it's a misconception too, with coaching kind of booming right now. You know, I've had a couple of friends ask, well, like, what's the difference between coaching and a therapist? You know? And I'm like, well, I'm not very uh, experienced with going to therapy and I'm certainly not a clinical provider, so I cannot give clinical advice, but I can help, like I said before, help guide you to where I've been. If you have an issue or if you're, you know, going through a lot of overwhelm, we can talk it out. It's someone to talk to, but I think the biggest difference for me is it's someone to share back with you Mm -hmm. versus say, okay, how do you, how do you feel about that? Let's talk more about that. What do you think? It's sharing your experience back, what you've gone through, I think, and building that relationship is what makes it feel so freeing and like you're not alone. Mm-hmm. One, I love the word that you use, activate instead of motivate, because that's very much how it is. It's Even in my coaching, oh, you're so inspiring. You're so motivating. Oh, I was motivated and blah, blah. I'm like, did you take the action? Some of them are like, no, I'm like, okay, well, that's feedback for me. But I go, why didn't you take the action? Like, 
go take the action. I can't blow you up if you're not going to go take the action, like the risk. Um, but I wanted to touch point on like the difference between like therapy and coaching. So I have um, a couple of therapist friends and a lot of times they're taught like mm -hmm. you can't, you can't bring any of your stuff in there. Yes. It's just them unloading on you. It's not a reciprocal relationship going on. So it's kind of one-sided and I'm like, well, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't really want to be a part of that unless it's like something very specific that I know I need and they're trained to do that, that I wouldn't go for a coach for. It's not saying therapists don't have value, but it's again, like coaches, you bring in that relationship. So you are relatable. So that person feels like they can talk to you because you've been there or you know how to find the answer or point them, point them in the direction they need to go. Yeah. I think everyone should have a therapist and a coach, you know, like mm -hmm. there, I think there's so much value in having a therapist and a clinical provider who you can talk to, who can really guide you in a certain direction. Um, and especially if I've, I've definitely coached people who we got to the point and I said, I love you. And I think you need to go see a therapist as well. We can keep working together, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to give you a tool and tell you that I'm going to cure something or, you know, bridge that gap that you need an extra gap bridged with therapy. So I think I was listening to something recently and they were saying, everyone should have a therapist. Everyone should have a coach. And by the year 20, I think it was 2035, which is not that far away. Having a coach is going to be like having a gym membership. And I can't remember exactly what it was to quote it. So, but it was like, oh, wow. Like everyone, everyone is, a, most people have a gym membership. Mm -hmm. They might not use it, but having a coach is going to be like having a gym membership. It's going to be that commonplace because with social media and all of the mental, you know, ang anguish that we put ourselves through, especially, and that's why I love to talk to um, working mothers, especially working mothers, mm -hmm. trying to balance being a mother, being a, you know, a great worker being a wife on top of that, it, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of moving and shifting pieces going on, especially for like women trying to navigate it all. And then also from my experience, receive support and let that support come in and that they're worthy of it. I mean, I don't have a partner. I don't have any kids, but I'm still challenged the same with mothers would be like receiving support when they're like, Oh, just let it like, we got you just let it happen. I'm like, oh, no, no. I know. But like, why are we that way? Right? It's probably some conditioning of, you know, media, I can't say social media, because I didn't grow up with social media. And I'm presuming you didn't grow up with social media. Mm -hmm. Um, and some at that some level, but it's also just probably Yeah seeing how other people grew up and different mindset beliefs that we're unraveling to do that, which is a really interesting journey to be on. Yeah. I feel, I mean, some days I feel like it's shifting and we're making progress and other days I feel like I'm not. And that's, I think that's what it's all about. Just going back to, there is no such thing as balance. There is no such thing as perfection. It's just integrating my big thing with my clients is integrating joy into your life. Mm -hmm. Like I want you to be able to lay your head on the pillow every night and say, not, I did my best or I, I achieved all my goals. I checked everything off my to-do list, but like that was a good day and be able to rest peacefully. 
you know, you're not ever, ever going to get everything checked off your list ever because we make these crazy, like unrealistic lists. That's mm-hmm. one of the things we work on in coaching. We make a lot of grateful lists. We make a lot of to-da lists. Have you heard of a to-da list? No, I have not heard <laughs> like lists in general. Like they, they give me some anxiety. Like yeah. when everyone's like, let's do all of these lists, let's do all the grateful lists. And for an extent, like having a short list of like three or four things that I needed to get done for the day has supported me. I mean, mm-hmm. it supported me in law school. So that I like, and going through college that has value, but like these lists on top of lists on top of lists, is kind of yep. like planning and analysis paralysis, but no, mm-hmm. please inform me of this new list that's coming about. So instead of making a to-do list at the end of the day, just in your journal, next to your bed or wherever in the kitchen, wherever it's handy, you just write down all of the things that you did accomplish that day. Mm. And it can be, I got the kids to school on time. It could be, I wore the same matching shoes today. Whatever you need to do to put, put it on the list, so you can feel good about what you did that day mm. because we underestimate all the things that go right, that work out, that especially, I mean, getting up, getting the kids out the door on time, getting to work, eating healthy, working out, like you're not going to get it all done every day. It's just not going to happen. But at the end of the day, if you can write down 10 things that you did do, it makes you feel accomplished. And Tony Robbins says progress is happiness, right? Progress equals happiness. When you can measure just a little bit of progress, that makes you feel joy and that makes you feel happy. That also makes you want to keep going and continuing. Give yourself little wins every single day so that you keep going and feel good about yourself. I think that's really important is like the little wins and don't qualify the wins because the little wins are what shift your life and make your changes. Just like the little habits that you're creating because otherwise you want to be able to hold the container for the big wins and for the big goals that are happening. And so again, sometimes a little win is I brushed my teeth today Oh yeah. <laughs> and that can be a win. Cause there, we all have those days where like, I got out of bed for this. Okay. It's, it's okay. Another day. And you can always find a win. And I think that's the beauty of it. So I really like the idea of not making this long list. that's never going to get accomplished and feeling bad about yourself, but instead write a bunch of good stuff that you did down. And <laughs> most of the time you're like, wow, I did do a lot today. And I think that's what a lot of my clients, it's one of the first things we do in one of our first calls. And they're always like, wow, I do a lot. I'm like, yeah, I know you're amazing. So so maybe I'll implement that or like what my, or say like, I asked myself, like, what is one thing that for the day that if I did that, then I'd be like crazy. Yeah. And so maybe I'll start doing that and like writing down the one thing I did that day that was gravy good it was another sure. tactic i got from a coach while i was taking the bar exam which was oh, really supportive and helpful so yeah i like that i mean whatever whatever works for you mm-hmm. and then i think i went on a retreat with my coach and at the end of the retreat she gave everyone a book and she gave me the book do less by kate northrup have you ever yeah. read it no it's so not. good i highly recommend it um and for like months, I didn't even read the book. I just kept it in my car on the console. And when I got in the car, it just said, do less. Like, because I was doing too much. I was trying to juggle and I was, 
I was in the hustle game. Another word I've tried to take out of my vocabulary, or I am taking out of my vocabulary, is hustle. Because you get nowhere by hustling and constantly rushing and just doing multitasking all the time. So just having that book in my car for like months, she kept asking, have you read it yet? I'm like, no, but the book is doing so much for me. Um, it's, it's just been amazing. So that's what I try to remember, remind myself when I'm working with clients. We're not trying to add more. So we're not trying to add a list, you know, five lists to your schedule to do every day, plus journaling, plus the pick a healthy habit. We really look at your schedule and we decide first, what can go? How can we automate? And then we start adding little positive things so you can feel that progress to keep going. Mm -hmm. So it really is about doing less and slowing down. And one of the very first things we do, very first, there's a lot of firsts, but the very first is <laughs> carve out your family time first. Mm. That's the most important thing. And if you, if that is the most important priority to you, you need to put that on the schedule first and then everything else works around it. I think that's also a very important distinction and boundary like anyone needs to create like what is like the number one thing that's really important to you and you make time to do that so like with family with family has been instilled in me as a I'm originally from the midwest is like you you carve out that time so even though they drive me crazy and I don't always like going back and visiting just because you know we get into those roles and family you know, pushes your buttons because they're the ones oh, yeah. that put them there. I'm still present with them because that's important. And with like the mantra, my new like identity mantras, graceful rebel, like one of the things that came out of it was relationships. I'm like, well, already then, what does this look like? Because it's just like all relationships and it's carving out that time. Like one of them says, like, I'm the person that sends cards on birthdays. I'm like, all right. So I'm the person that sends cards on birthdays and I have immediately implemented that because every month in my family, there's a birthday or celebration except for September, which is really interesting, hmm. but it is like making that time and priority and doing it and then holding it. Like you have a meeting with your boss. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I put, I put my workouts on my calendar. If I, do not get in some sort of movement in my body. I am not as nice of a person. <laughs> it's, it's a priority to me. I start it, it started as, you know, wanting to be healthy and fit. And now it's, it's healthy mind. Mm -hmm. I need to do that for myself every day. And if it doesn't happen in the morning, I'll do squats at my desk at my lunch break or something. But I I've noticed when I'm least happy and least like my, myself, how I want to show up. It's because I didn't get that time to myself to do something healthy and move my body. Um, and that's my thing. It's everyone's thing is different. Your thing might be journaling. Your thing might be yoga. I wish I was more into yoga. Um, everyone has their thing. And I think once you acknowledge that and recognize it, it's easier to implement, but then put it on the calendar, set the boundary and make it happen. Mm-hmm. I can say yoga is a challenge in itself. It's like personal development on a map, mat. And so I've been avoiding doing yoga for a while, even though it's been calling me, then I'm just like, fuck, I don't really want to face myself on the mat, but it's getting like closer and closer. I can feel it coming, like, you know, trusting in the timing of the universe. 
But my question for you is like, were you an athlete at all growing up throughout school? I played sports in high school. Mm-hmm. I was not good. I really mm-hmm. just enjoyed the, sh- the social aspect. Um, I didn't play in college. I maybe could have, but it just wasn't for me in college. I did miss when the girls were sitting at the table at college, you know, the sports team. I, I miss that community piece of it. Um, and so community is so important to me. I do have, I also have a mom's group. Um, we have over 1,200 women in the Maryland area. And we just meet up and we do mom's nights out and mom's night nights out. We do um, stroller walks and go to the park. And so I, I feel that void a little bit that I missed from being on a team. Mm-hmm. Um, I joined a running group before I had kids. I joined um, team and training and trained to run a tri- triathlon, learned how to swim. I'm still friends with a lot of those girls. So I found other ways to be in a community. Mm-hmm but I was never good at sports, <laughs> never good at team sports. I joke, That's, you could, <laughs> you could literally walk next to my run. Like I'm mm. so slow, but I do it because I love going out and running with a friend. I only ask because I find it's like an interesting trait. Cause I was a competitive athlete through basically middle school, um, all the way through high school. I didn't play in college because I got injuries and I'm like, well, maybe someone's telling me that, you know, I should shift my perspective. But what I've noticed is a lot of athletes have learned that they need to carve out that time to work out and do stuff because it's so intricate into who they are and part of their being and like their me time. Like, even though you join the social part of it, you still have ingrained like that was dedicated time. You did that, you took care of it. It was a priority on some level. And now you have to do the same. Otherwise, again, you won't be happy. You won't be a nice human, as I tell people. And I'm like, I very much want to be a a nice human. So this gets to happen. It's important. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also a sense of a place of control. You know, control is, de- is definitely a big piece of it. Um, one thing I've noticed is when I get the most anxious or get the most um, worrisome is when I don't have control, when I feel like I don't have control. I'm learning to let go of that in many aspects of life, but I need to have some sort of control over something in my day. And that's by getting up and working out or getting up and, and having some time to myself to clear my head, to journal, whatever that may look like, makes me feel like I have control of the day ahead. And again, I'm, I'm a much happier person. I try not to yell at my kids in the morning. It's a win if we get in the car without yelling, but it totally happens. And it happens on days and I don't work out when I look back at it. That's, that's my life. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting correlation. But yeah, no, making that time is actually really important. And you don't have to be working out to make that time. Like no, whatever you uh-uh. need to again, make yourself feel like you're a nicer human and have that boundary line and fill up your cup. I mean, self-care isn't always going to the spa. It's many different things in many different ways. Basically it's doing whatever is plaguing your mind. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I would love to read more books. In this season of my, t- of my life, I'm not sitting down and reading books quietly. It's just not happening right now. Um, maybe I could do that in the morning, but I do, I enjoy working out, but some people love to read and that's their, their thing. And once you realize it's your thing, make it a priority. It does not have to be working out. It does not have to be journaling. Although 
I have learned a lot about myself by forcing myself to sit down and think and write and brain dump. That's been a whole, like, <laughs> I never thought I'd be a journaler. I hate my handwriting. So mm. it drives me crazy. Um, I want to like correct everything I, you know, as I write things out, but um, the thoughts that come out when you just let them come, is pretty amazing. And it's, it's for you too. So you can put anything there. No one's going to see it unless you choose to show them. It's really like forward thinking. It's just really great. Yes. Journaling. I got asked that question at one event that I was hosting. They're just like, what did you like? What do you think of journaling? How long have you been journaling? And I'm like, to be honest, I've only been journaling for like six months. And beforehand, I thought it was complete BS. And I know that's really like aggressive to say because the woman was taken back, but I, I did because I'm like, I don't want to sit with my feelings. And this was like ice queen time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then post ice queen, like, okay, I go hang out and journaling. And it's been interesting. Some of the stuff that's come out of it or just like, you know, creating the things that we've been creating in the coaching like I've done some journaling and different things have come out I'm like oh like I said like the relationship part and like I did not know I had an idea I was controlling trying to control the ideas that were going to come out but then when you just let them come out you're just like interesting this is actually what I want yes yeah like I used to think it was like dear diary today I but it's not it's not that at all you can make it that if you want, but it is, I mean, my, I'm, I'm a doodler too. So my journal, my journal pages are like notes and trees and quotes. And it's like all over the place. There's not a really a rhyme or reason, but it makes sense to me. And it's most important. I'm just getting my thoughts out. Um, and it's certainly not, sometimes I can't even read what I wrote, but, but it's, but it's helpful. So I never thought I'd be an advocate of journaling, but I definitely am now. I've learned. Isn't it interesting? You thought you'd never be an advocate of certain things and then all of a sudden you do them and you're just like, hmm, okay, I'll swallow that pill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just and being open to new things, mm -hmm. being open to opportunity, being open to, oh, I'm going to an event in California for five days away from my kids. Like that is something that I never thought I would do. And here I am, like, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so my question before we get into the final questions is what are you currently practicing releasing control of? Oh gosh, that's a loaded question. Oh, a lot of things. Um, hmm. Practicing releasing control of listening, being a better listener and, and having to control the conversation. As a coach, I have a a way that I think the call might go based on what someone has told me. I think I know what they might need, but sometimes that is not anywhere close to the direction that a call goes. We don't always follow our worksheets. Um, I thought for a while that people wanted that and they needed that, that structure, but I feel our calls are so much more dynamic when I let it flow. So controlling the conversation has been, has been a big one. Um, and the same thing in my family life with my husband with my mom, you know, I, I know what my mom's going to say ahead of time. I can just interject. No, it, it might not be what she's going to say. 
Um, I just need to be a better listener. I'm working on being a better listener and not constantly controlling those conversations. And that's at work too. Anybody you're talking to, just let it let it go where it needs to go. Mm -hmm. I like that. Let it go where it needs to go. <sighs> let it go. <laughs> We're watching a lot of Frozen 2 in her house right now. So let it go is like, <laughs> it's loaded. The anthem of your house. Perfect. Ooh. Actually, um, Frozen 2 is Into the Unknown is the big song. That is and true. I will tell you, the kids get out of the car and I jam out to that song all the way to work because the lesson that's in that Disney song is powerful. Well, it is, and we're practicing it right now. We're, do we we're doing risky things, stepping into the unknown, and we're kind of saying, well, F it, we'll figure it out. Whatever it may be. There's something calling us. We're just following the call. Exactly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so what is a book resource podcast that has supported you in your journey that you would recommend to the audience? Okay, so Do Less by Kate Northrup, definitely. That's a really great one. And right now, I am, like, super fanning on Brendan Burchard. Mm -hmm. um, what is his book? The Habits. Um, yes. High Performance Habits. High Performance Habits. I have his journal. It's amazing. His, and I've seen him speak. His book's great. But his podcasts are so short and to the point. There's no fluff. It's, like, just straight up. I feel like I'm sending my clients like his podcast every day, like, oh my gosh, and this one, and this one, like, they're just so good. And I want to like voice record quotes just over and over and over again from him. He's just, he's got some really great, when you talk about like automation and doing less, he's got some great tips on that. Mm -hmm. It's good to know. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll add his podcast to my list. He is good. It's the Brendan show. Okay. Where can everyone find you? Okay, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook. So it's Instagram at katiedragas717. If you follow me on Instagram, you will know, notice my I have a lucky number that shows up all over the place. So 717 is my number. Also my son's birthday and my first coach's birthday, coincidentally. Very weird. Um, yes, so katiedragas717. And then on Facebook, I'm just at Katie Dragas, or I also have a coaching page, Katie Dragas Coaching. Awesome. That's yeah. Um, all right. So the final two questions. What has been your bravest moment so far? Oh, gosh. I think putting myself out there. So I mentioned I work full time. I love my job. I have a really great job, really great boss really great company, but I've always kind of done a little side hustle thing and I was always scared to put it out there. And so when I decided to go into coaching and really go for it, I went and I had a conversation with my boss and I said, Hey, look, I'm, I just want to let you know, I love my job here. I want to keep working here, but I'm going to start doing this in my pocket of my time. And you're going to, you're going to see it. And I want to let you know if my performance changes in any way, please let me know, but this is important to me. And I had to have that conversation because I was always kind of hiding a little bit and I needed to really just allow myself to be me, especially if I want to help other people, I have to put myself out there. 
So when I made that decision and had that conversation, it was like a release. It was so great. She's so supportive. Um, and I know a lot of people who are working, you know, network marketing businesses or side jobs and things are really passionate about. And I don't necessarily think you have to quit your job and go full all in if you're passionate about something. You can do both. You can find ways to integrate. And I think a lot of us get stuck in this like, well, you know, I have a nice supportive job. I really like it. I have some friends who are, you know, going towards retirement and don't want to leave their jobs, but they're also really passionate about being a gym owner or being, you know, a fitness coach or whatever. You can find ways to do both. And then just kind of see where the universe leads you. You don't have to go all in or make a decision tomorrow. But that was a brave moment for me. I'm really, I'm glad I did that. And it's ever since then, I've been able to truly just put my actual thoughts out there. And that's been, that's been a big, a big shift. I think that is actually something that's really important. I mean, we live in a day and age where the side hustle is expected, but it's also getting that stereotype that like employers think you're going to leave right away or you're not going, you don't like your job. In some instances, it may be true. In other instances, like yours, mm-hmm. it's not. It's just something else to do that you enjoy doing. So we should be able to do it and be our free selves without that fear of repercussion from it. So it, yeah. that is definitely a very brave moment. I give you kudos to that. Thank you. And then the final question, what is your definition of brave? I think being honest with yourself about who you truly are, period. Not just that. And however you interpret that. Mm, I love it. It's actually really important. I love that definition. So thank you for sharing. And thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. This is so much fun. I could talk to you forever. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Built Brave. If you love this episode, heck, if you like this episode, please head on over, give it a rate, review, subscribe, like, shout it out on your social media with your major takeaways and what you loved about the episode. And as always, tag me in that at Low Wentworth because I love hearing what you guys got out of the episodes. And until next time, remember, you've always been brave.